Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, alongside the one and only Dwayne Drawn. What's going on, Dwayne? What's going on, man? You know, I got to complain about the piloting thing first. Um, last week, I got scrapped twice. Like, I didn't even get the plane off the ground last week. Now, come on, dude. Two, like, it wasn't two days in a row, but it was like two days that I had scheduled. And one was um, low clouds and the other one was high winds. Just, it's just a thing about piloting, man. Man, it sounds like you got to be on your feet with that one, huh? Constantly changing. Ooh. And it just feels like, like I told you, I get mad. Like, the world is against me. Like, are you serious? Like, come <laughs> on. Like, I just want to go flying. Stop being against me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just want to get and up it's in not the air, that. right? It's yeah. not that. It's just weather, dude. And, like, the next day is a perfect day. It's just a day that I didn't schedule to go flying. So it's not that the gods are against me. I just feel like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel <laughs> I can hear that, yeah. But maybe it's meant to be, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That That's coming from somebody who's not a pilot. That's true. <laughs> that's what I want to do. You know what I mean? Like, I tell everybody, so that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As often as possible, right? Yeah, I did a, a interview this weekend uh, with Isabel. It was a husband and wife thing. And the guy, you know, he introduced you as the business owner. He owns VizX Design Studios. I'm like, hold up, bro. I'm a pilot. <laughs> I know I own the company, but I own, I'm a pilot. Yeah, so please exactly. introduce me as the pilot. <laughs> Changing your business cards, I can see. Yeah, I'm a pilot. It's actually on the back of my business cards. You know what I mean? It's actually there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big five for life. You know, my business cards, I, um, I say I want to fly around the world, you know what I mean, in my own airplane. So that's, that's in there. Yeah. Every day a little closer, right? Two millimeters. That's it. Get it. Get at it every single day. So yeah, so today we have a nice subject that everyone in business has dealt with at some point, especially if you've been around the block a couple of times. It's, it's managing bad clients. We like to call them PIA clients, pain in the ass clients. And you know, the bigger conversation today is gonna be about how to handle those people, how to manage ones that are driving you crazy, how to get them the hell out of your life, and how to you know, do it with dignity and with grace so that you don't just tell them, get the hell out of here. I don't want to talk to you again. And then they're writing you a really colorful review, but more about how to do it. So they actually want to give you a, a good referral to a friend or that they know that they're not a good fit. And it's not a, you know, just about them being idiots, but that they just don't fit the way you like to work with people. So, you know, when it comes to clients and I'm, we've been, you know, I've been in the business now 25 years and a Dwayne's very similar and we've been through a handful or even more than a handful of asshole clients throughout the years. Ones that we either didn't see coming and uh, they eventually turned into being that, that case study that you never want to have happen again. Or you, uh, you end up knowing that they suck in the beginning, but you're hungry for the work. So you say, you know what, I'll put up with this shit. It'll be gone for, you know, going, going on for a few weeks and it'll be gone. I'll get their money and off I go. Right. So it's, I think we're all guilty of doing that at a certain point, but most of the time, for me at least, that used to happen because 
I didn't have the tools or the, the, the strategy in order to manage those people in a way that I felt comfortable. Because my biggest fear was if I told them how I really thought, A, they would somehow slander me, you know, either through a, a review or tell their friends about how much of a, a, you know, not a nice person I was or whatever it might be. Like I was afraid of what they thought. So oftentimes I kept my mouth shut and just kind of grinned and bared it, right? Bared through the, des- the design process or the, des- or the build process. And at the end, we're so happy to cut ties and be the hell out of there, right? And, but as I'm getting older and wiser, I'm realizing there's nice ways to let these people go and let them go on their own way and piss somebody else off while you can focus on the clients who truly value you and everything that you do. So, you know, it's a matter of learning some of the tools. And today I'm going to teach you a couple little tricks that you can utilize if you get into that situation, which it's inevitable you will have at some point if you're not already in that position. But Dwayne, over the years, how many times do you think you've had clients where you just wanted to, well, not show up again, just be nice about it to their project or not work with them on a design? And this is a... This, is a t- this, this conversation can go off into a tangent, and i got to watch a tangent, because there's different levels of what I've dealt with when it comes to terms of clients who, who were... There's two type of bad clients. There was that, there's that one client who's just demanding, okay? And that demanding client, as much as you don't like dealing with that client, that client raises you. That, that client makes you become the better contractor or the better planner or just a better whatever, like that just client just has a high demand. And that client makes you grid it out and become better. It makes you look at all your systems like, whoa, I need to get my shit together. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you're like, man, this client sucks. I can't stand this MF or da 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 da. You're going through this in your mind, but when you really sit back like in your dark room, you're like, okay, this client's pretty dope. Like I respect them. You know what I mean? Him or her or whatever. I sort of respect the process. They're they're raising you. But then you got that other client who's just an all-out dick, you know? And I think they do it according to dollar bills. Like I see a lot where they'll try to hold a dollar over your head and then nitpick and and then pick you out on things like that. But I actually have a third level. I don't want to spend too much time on it because I don't want to take the narrative out of it. But I also had that other client who we dealt with a lot over a racial side. Like we had, you know what I mean? Like what we did in Columbus, Ohio, we would hire like, you know, the white guys to sell for us and not really say that we were the owner of the company, but it seemed like the moment they found out that we owned the company, they it would just be this all-out attack. And if something went wrong, it would be a horrible, blown-out lawsuit over nothing. Like, it would just be ridiculous. It was almost over, like, over this dead body shit. Like, there's no way this guy is going to get over on me. Who does this, you mean, N-I-G-G-E-R think he is? And then you had to fight tooth and nail just to manage and deal with that little issue where it could have just been resolved or a quick phone call or, hey, apology email. There was just, like, there was sort of this hate issue about it. So I had several levels of it. And I don't want to go too deep into that. But, you mean, you do have this, but it's my life. I guess it's my truth you ask and I tell you my truth. But I've, we've dealt with those. And we have a very, very better, we have a better management system uh, for dealing with those type of clients now. One thing that I have learned is and this is this has a lot to do with the growth of the businesses i get to pick to do who i want to do business with and years before you thought that everybody had to be your client so you took on garbage that you probably should never have take and now i'll sift through and after talking to you if it's something i don't like as um 
client, it's something you said or, or something that I feel your energy's wrong, I can off you and be out and move on. And I noticed that I don't lack business by doing that. Like, I mean, the more that I get rid of that I don't feel like is a part of our circle of business, the more clients I get to take that void. So that's sort of what we go through. Yeah, and it's an excellent point that you bring up there because, you know, the more you become clear on what you're willing to tolerate when it comes to how your clients are treating you, the more you're, you're clear on that, the universe will send you the right people. If you keep putting up with the ones that are driving you crazy, it keeps sending you more of those. Let's, let's face mm-hmm. it, there's this invisible power involved, and that's, you know, the, the incredible part about it. But that also then translates into the visible. So when it comes to marketing, you have to be thinking about your ideal client and these kinds of things, your top three clients you ever worked for, how would we, you know, replicate them? And if we can, what do they like, what do they dislike? And let's start creating a, a, a perfect avatar of our client. And then from there, be able to talk to them. And then more of them come out of the woodwork is kind of the, the basic fundamental. But, you know, if we come into every single transaction with a uh, potential client, and, and you are, not they are, but you are in the mindset of the buyer. So instead of, you're not buying anything as, as the you know, design build professional, but you come in saying, hmm, to your point, do I select, do I choose to do business with these guys? Not, they called me, so now I, am ent- I have to. I, I, I can't say no to them or in some way I have to serve them. Spin that around. Always be the buyer. So when you're meeting with a client or you're on the phone with a client, if there's something about them that really, really irks you and turns you off, let them go. It's okay to do that. It's okay to do that. Don't waste your time and their time. And that's something that took me many years to figure out. I always thought, you know, out of 7 billion people on the planet, they called me. And if they called me, that means I have to go out, uh, that, that I have to go out there and help them. If I don't, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? Are they going to write me a bad review? Are they, is the universe going to now not send me people because I'm not grateful for what it, for what it is sending me and all this kind of crap in my head. It's all these, it's all these, these constant, uh, you know, I don't know, small things in my mind that are blocking out bigger things. So point is that, you know, when you start realizing that, no, this is your life. You have control over what that means. If you have a client, to your point earlier, Dwayne, about if you have a client that is, we'll call it demanding or very focused on what they want, those types of clients, they tend to raise you up because they, they point out certain things in your systems that may or may not be up to the par they should be, right? Up to the level they should be. So those types of people are okay. I don't mind them as much. Yeah, they can be a pain in the ass, but I know that they're doing it for the best reasons. So I'm okay with that. But when it comes to people that are just absolutely out there to make your life miserable. No matter what you do, you will never make them happy. They will ask a million questions. They will ask a million options. They will ask for a million prices. And then at the end of the day, they still don't respect any of the time or energy you put into it. Those are the kind of clients that I'm talking about. Trying to let go of them and saying, you know what, in order to to alleviate most of your problems with clients that become pain in the asses later, you know, it's all about setting those expectations. Okay. So the very fundamental core you know, piece here is if you tell a client X and you deliver X, everybody's happy, right? But when you tell a client or set the expectation with a client of X and then you deliver Y, the client doesn't know why that happened. They don't, they don't understand why it's different, right? So that's, that's 95% of the problems, especially with contractors out there that, that say yes to everything, right? And tell everybody yes. So their expectations are X, like, okay, good. I'm going to get all this stuff for this money. It's going to be done by this time. This is what it's going to look like or whatever the visual comes from. And then they go through this entire process and the people don't show up on time. The price changes. The end result doesn't look anything like the words that were spoken throughout the entire thing. What do you expect the homeowner to do or the client to do? Of course, they're going to be pissed. Of course, expectations are not met. So 
in, in our process, we show you how to set those expectations on day one and how to deliver them all the way through. This way you have a client that is super thrilled at the end. So again, set expectations of exactly what it's gonna be in the beginning with the end in mind, and then deliver exactly what you said you're going to as close as you possibly can. And the closer it is, the happier they're gonna be for the most part. But start throwing those expectations out just to close a deal so you get a check, and then all of a sudden it comes time to build, and then those pavers weren't available, so you switch them out. Next thing you know, they're supposed to be gray with you know dark gray, light gray, and now they're just gray. And they come back and they're like, what the hell? I thought there was gonna be a modeling in this. And you say, well, no, they, they didn't have the other pavers. And then all of a sudden they're pissed off because you made a decision without ever talking to them about it. So again, it all boils down to expectations. If you set the right expectations, walk them through a process, and by the end deliver that expectation or greater, you'll have clients for life. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah. I sort of agree, but I also, if you want to, like if you think about it, one of the, the things, this is what I'm learning. One of the biggest issues I think that homeowners have with contractors is there's a lot of conversation and not enough documentation. So everybody is involved is, is good intentions. The contractor, for the most part, like I don't want to sit here and assume that a contractor is signing a contract and like a pirate, Heidi Har Har, laughing and say, I'm going to get that ass once they sign. Like I would say the majority, let's say, let's call it 95% of people you deal with, the majority of them have great intentions. The homeowner, for the most part, let's give them 95%, and I'm just throwing out numbers, have good intentions. And they have these great conversations. And what I think is there's not enough documentation. You mean like we have a situation, very small, very small minor situation where a client wanted to put their bird bath in the landscape bed. I remember the conversation I remember having, but I don't ever remember the conversation saying that our contractors was going to move your bird bath and put it back in the flower bed. So now it's time to pay up. That was one of the things that was brought out into the email conversation. Well, you said you were going to put our bird bath in there. And I'm still scratching my head because it, nowhere in the contract does it have that we're going to put your bird bath in the flower bed. Like this is something that you could actually do on your own. Like your husband is actually building the deck. So you mean to tell me you can't pick up the bird bath and put it in the flower bed when everything is done. So I feel this is a ploy of not paying or trying to find ways to get out of paying the total dollar amount. But the fact that it came back up, it wasn't documented properly, at least on my side. Like when it was brought up, there was no notes on because I wasn't thinking about I, I, I've never had a crew put a bird bath together in a flower bed. That's always something a homeowner does or some gargoyles that they have. Well, you said you're going to place the gargoyles. and I'm thinking that's something you do. But it, it was all communication. So who can I blame? Can I blame them? Or can I look back and say, okay, Dwayne, you didn't take note of this. And you didn't, you didn't have notes over it because obviously they do. You know? They remember that. And they remember that they weren't supposed to be or having, they weren't supposed to do that. That was supposed to be something that was uh, either gifted or whatever from you, right? And we've had that, you know, at a project recently where a client mentioned during a, I don't know, probably a, a at least three or four month design framework of time where we went through a couple of revisions and changes and then they would be MIA for a while and come back and yada 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 back and forth anyway where they wanted a, a door to a screen room that we were putting in uh, you know roofs new roof system deck all that and they wanted to have a door that was uh, it rolls up it coils up and then you can pull it back across there's not like a swing door nothing like that it's a retractable screen door and we do those often in our screen systems because they're really cool and sleek and simple and they do a great job of hiding and concealing the structure so 
that was the plan part of the overall budget. Everything was good. Our contractor in the the you know mountain of paperwork that comes in all these projects they had a standard swinging door as opposed to this pocketing or this uh, retractable one and we missed it and when it came to the time for that client to they saw the door show up and they're like well we didn't order that door we ordered one that retracts we're like you know what we checked our paperwork you're absolutely right we eat the difference that's what it is i mean when you deal with as many projects as we do things happen it's just what it is but then she came back and said, well, you know, we talked about, and I remember this vaguely over these months of conversation that she mentioned it at one point, we would really love to have the gate for the dog for the, to the yard from the deck to be a sliding gate, not an actual, you know, hinged gate. And I don't know about you, but I've never seen a sliding gate before for that kind of railing. And I don't, I know the manufacturer doesn't make them. And I told her at that time, I was like, you know, there's there's nothing that I know of that we can do that. But in her mind, she said, I told him, so that means it needs to be done. So then, you know, come time for com- or for construction, we're building it, the door comes up. Next thing you know, she's like, and, and what about my, my sliding gate? I'm like, we never agreed on a sliding gate. Check your contract. There's nothing in there about a sliding gate. The retractable door, yes, that's covered, not a penny more out of your pocket. I'll eat the difference. And so she was like, oh, I really have to have it. I have to have that. I have to have that. I'm like, there's nothing we can do. They, they, do, they do not make this. And for, I think, maybe a few hours one day, she was, you know, a little hotter on the collar about it. And then we said, look, there's, there's nothing else we can do. This is what it is. Um, you know, we'd be happy to do the other door for you. And that's, and then pretty soon she's like, no, what, you know what? Just put the door that you have on there. It's fine. And put the regular gate in. And then it was forgotten about. Dude, like she went from like, oh my God, this entire project sucks. Everything else is perfect. There's this one half of a percent that she wants to focus on, right? And then all of a sudden the next day, she's like, nope, I'm just fine with that. We're going to keep the door and keep the, the gate. Everything turned out perfect. I'm very happy with it all. And I'm like, what, what the hell's going on? You know what I mean? They go from like, this whole thing is going to suck if this doesn't happen to, all right, now everything is perfect with it the way it is. So my, my point in saying that is you just never know where people are in their own minds, right? And they, 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 wanna, they want you to acknowledge the fact that you heard them when they asked for that, but they don't want to be you know, told that they're idiots. Right, they, you you have to preserve their dignity and preserve their ego when you're working through these things with them, uh, so that you say, look, I totally understand. The first thing I always to do is empathize with them. I totally understand. I can see how frustrating this is. Empathize first, and then you go into the conversation. But remember when we talked about this? This was the answer to that, and kind of walk them back through it. And hey, if you want that additional whatever feature it might be, we can always price it out for you if you'd like. But if you look in the contract, because if here's, here's another way to spin this around that makes everybody feel a little bit better. If it's something that was in addition to the standard base model or whatever you're selling, whether it's a patio deck or roof, whatever it might be, a water feature, you could say, look, you know, if it was, let's just say lighting and a water feature for, for the fun of it. Yeah, I thought you said that was included. Well, look, at, take a look at the contract. We'll go through it together. There's no lighting listed in there. Then they come back. Well, I want you to include that in that price. And you can always come back with them with this retort. Look, guys, if that letting was originally in the quote for that pond, the pond price would have been whatever. Let's call a thousand bucks for the letting. It would have been a thousand dollars higher. So the the pond price right now is a thousand dollars lower without the lighting in it. If you want to add the lighting, it'll cost you a thousand dollars to do that now. It would have cost you a thousand dollars when we signed the contract, or it's costing you a thousand now. You're not paying more for it, but you are going to pay for it. And doing it that way and, and working subconsciously with people that way and consciously as well, saying that you it isn't price plus, it isn't like you were supposed to get that, it wasn't included, unless you flat out told them, look, you're getting lighting for sure with this pond and everything else, and then it wasn't included, and then you're trying to upsell them later or upcharge them later, uh, that becomes a problem. But if it's never mentioned, you say, look, you would have paid more back then, 
or you can pay for it now. It's the same thing. You're not paying more for it. At the end of the day, you're not getting in any way taken advantage of here. And most people understand that like, okay, well, I would have paid a thousand two months ago, or I would pay a thousand now. I still end up with my lighting and work it that way. So do you see how that can help balance the difference between, yeah. you know, how you have that conversation? Yeah. You know, one of the things that Isabel and I, we talk about when in terms of business and, and she didn't even understand it, but I, I told her one day, it was just, it just hit me one day and I said, you know, clients can be thieves and they don't really know that they are thieves because, you know, we do what we're taught. Like there's a, um, here, I'm actually going to read this uh, lyrics to you and see if you understand. Sin all depends on what you believe in. Faith is what you make it. You know I mean? And that was, that was by Outcast Equimini. And, you know, when I was younger, I used to listen to a bump. I mean, my mind warps and being close to the wind, count to 10, meet the twin, I just bring welcome to the lion's den. I mean, I used to rap it all the time. And it wasn't until I grew up and I was like, wow, faith is what you make and sin is what you believe in. And what happens is if your mom and dad were bank robbers, as crazy as it seems now, you would be a bank robber or you wouldn't think, not only you wouldn't be a bank robber, but you might not think bank robbery was bad. Like, even though people are in jail for it, you might not think it's bad. And so clients are actually, I mean, they're hanging in social groups. You know what I mean? They're talking to friends. They're online. Like, this is what you do. Like, like especially the car industry. It's got the worst rap. So you got these clicks out there that shows you how to get over on a car dealership. You know, walk in there and get the invoice and ask for the invoice. So walk in there and make sure that the car dealerships make zero money on selling you this car. Like, think about how asinine that is. But it's the same thing that happens to our industry now is that, well, you know, we don't want to pay for a design fee. Don't pay for the design. Or, well, if you want to make changes, you better stick them hard and make them do you design. You're stealing. Okay. So, and then not only are you stealing from the contractor, but you're threatening to defame their record or their credit by stealing from them. And, but because somebody told you is okay. So sin is what you believe in. So now you believe I'm not really doing anything wrong. I'm just stealing from them. I'm just making them do what they owe me. They owe me this. And it's this philosophy that we believe in. And we all have it. So, you know, I mean, Josh, you're a great guy. I love everything you do. I love the honesty about you. But we all have this little, these little things that we, these nuances that we think is right. Okay. But who says they're wrong, but we think they're right. And so we'll do we'll do this thing we think is right. I want what's owed to me. You give it to me. We're stealing. In some instances, we're stealing. And clients will steal from you. Yeah, I think that's part of human nature, trying to get more than than you think you should get or trying to get more just because you win at that point. And, you know, relationships that are win-lose are always going to be that. And you're going to be on one side of that at, at times always. But if you invite certain people into your life and also into your business as clients as the buyer of course but that they're win-win scenarios where your client gets even more value than what you're asking for in dollars it's a win-win right everybody wins at that game but uh, not everybody's wired that way to your point some people are always thinking that they have to get a a deal and if they don't get the deal then then some way they're getting screwed and they're not interested in getting screwed because their main objective is to tell their buddies about how cheap they got it so you're going to be the one that's going to work for free just so that they can sit around and boost their own ego right and that's really a choice as a business owner you have whether you're going to entertain that bullshit and, and tolerate it or whether you're going to tell them they flew a fly a kite it's not going to happen 
And mm-hmm. here's my terms. Here's what we do. If you want to work with us, this is what it is, right? And and having that, but there's always this balance. Like again, I go back to the whole expectation thing because it's so damn important. Something that took me a long time to learn. But if you set those expectations, and you have a process in place where each client that comes through your doors, through on your phone, whatever it might be, that you have a certain step-by-step process to talk to them, communicate with them. Some would call it a sales process. It doesn't have to be. It's just a communication process. But you work them through this in order to make sure that they can actually get through it. Are they a good fit for your business? As opposed to taking every, you know, beating heart that walks in the door and say, okay, well, you have a wallet so I can talk to you. You know, instead of it doing it that way, thinking, of, thinking about them only as, you know, transactions, what about transformations? You know, what kind of people do you want to work with? In my world, my goal is to go, it's to work with people who want transformations in their lives and wants transformation in their properties. If they're just looking for a transaction, a quick in and out, not really my people, right? Because they, they're only going to go after the cheapest price or whoever they can uh, screw down on the price as far as they can so they can feel really good in their own selves that they, you got screwed and they got, they got to win. You know, and those people are the ones that should be out there beating everybody else up that, uh, that doesn't know any better. I don't know, but you have a choice in whether that's you or not. So it's really a matter of when you talk to these people, if you have a screening system, if you screen them well in the beginning, you're going to get a sense of who they are. That's why we have to ask. That's why our entire, you know, sales process is designed with questions that they aren't expecting. So you can start getting a sense of really what they're, you know, what they're made of. Because if you ask some questions they aren't expecting and you see how they respond, you know, things like budget, things like uh, life effect, like what are the bigger, what's the bigger why for this entire project or going through things about, you know, whether they're looking for you to just give them some free ideas or whether they're looking to design build with you, right? So having these direct questions, you're going to get a sense of how, how they respond. And if they respond like idiots, they're on their first date on that call. If they respond like idiots, they're going to be bigger idiots when you meet them. And if they respond well, and that really sounds like an ideal fit for you, then there's a much higher chance that you're going to have a win there with those people that you're both going to win with this scenario. So again, that screening is so important the transparency and all these kinds of things, talking about upfront costs and budgets. You got to understand, I know I've said it a million times, but a lot of people that are calling you have never built patios and decks and roofs and outdoor living before. They've never done it. So they're looking for a, a, a guide. They're looking for someone to take them on a journey through this that they can trust, that they can be like, hey, you know, what about this idea? And you'd be like, yeah, it's possible, but this is what it's going to cost. Here's the benefits. Here's the drawbacks. They want somebody that's not just thinking, all right, great. Let's take them right to the top. How much can I possibly get from them? And I need to move on and you're never going to hear from me again. Like that's their biggest fear that they're going to make that wrong decision. And they're going to live with the regret of spending money that doesn't end up giving them the result that they're looking for. That's one of their biggest fears they have. So you need to alleviate that fear by having a conversation with them. Communicate first. Don't sell them shit. Help them buy the right solution, even if it's not you. Help them buy that solution because if you do that, you'll find out through that process whether they good or are going to be good or not good for you and your business and whether they're going to help you grow your business or they're going to hold you back. Because one horrible client that's taking all the energy out of your team is going to directly reflect negatively on all the good clients that can't be served during that time. I've learned that the really hard way. And, you know, because that one, they just drain it. They're like, they're like a vacuum sucking all the good energy out of the room. And once they're gone, you, then you can finally feel it. But other than that, you're just trying to keep your face. You're trying to keep everything working. And it's just such a pain in the ass. And all the other clients suffer from it. And pretty soon you're like, well, my, my, eight, well, my class A clients here, the ones that I'm really excited about, I can't get to them because this other guy is driving me freaking crazy. And then they eventually pack up and leave. And they go to your competitor because they can give them the attention that they deserve. So mm-hmm. by firing those clients, by letting them go, by not ever hiring them or signing them in the beginning, you then open up everything, your entire team, your entire mind, your heart, everything to the ones that truly deserve it. 
Yeah, one of our, um, we just got our first negative review out of eight years in the business just, I think, about three weeks ago. And how the review came about, I didn't catch it at first, is after going through the sales process, all the questions, they actually seemed really cool. I thought the wife was really cool. She had a mid-century modern style, really enjoyed it. I mean, really enjoyed working with them in the beginning. But there was one little event that came down is um, after I sent the design, we have the design review. They have a couple days where they can respond to me. And it took like a week. No big issue. I mean, a lot of people do. They take a time to think about it. And they responded on a Thursday night at like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. Okay. I got to work on Friday. I had a bunch of stuff going on. Did not have time to respond. What I've learned from you is I don't really work on Saturdays and Sundays anymore. I truly just do not. I'm not sending emails. I'm not responding to anything. If I do do any work, it's just something that I'm doing maybe to catch myself up on a design or something. But I'm not doing any business interactions with anybody on the weekends. Just not happening. So Monday, I get into the office. 9 o'clock in the morning, I responded. They responded. I responded again. And then they didn't respond again until Friday. And then I think I had forgot about it. Like it was the next week is just too many gaps. And I said, okay, we got it. And ladies, well, you know, it's communication error. We're trying to get this job done. You mean you just is taking way too long. And I'm, and I, I went through and I said, you know, okay, here's the dates. I said, yeah, I said, I did have a lapse from Thursday to uh, Monday. I said, but you mean you guys responded? Everything's good to go. I said, but no problem. I said, I normally don't do these meetings uh, late evening. I said, but I'll jump right in. We'll knock them out, get them going, 7.30, 8 o'clock. And she smart-mouthed me when I said that. And I, I just put that in my little, I mean, she had a very smart, nasty comment after I was willing to accommodate. And I put that in my little Rolodex. So I put a checkbox. We got to talking. Husband was cool. We had to make some design changes because the budget was too high. We now made some changes. And we put everything together. Project management is ready to go. Contracts are sent. PayPal links are sent. Make your payments. Get everything going. We're going to order some material. I get an email. Well, I saw that the fire feature you guys have is such and such, and I saw it online for such and such. So I said, here's the deal. I said, it doesn't have the glass screen, and they're not going to move it to the backyard. And I sent the invoice of what I pay for the fire feature so they can see it, which was exactly what they could have clicked on Amazon for. And so then it took another week to now start pricing me and talking to other people. And then he finally come back, hey, we're ready to go, but we're going to use our own landscaper. And I just basically said, I said, it just feels like we're just not a good fit. I don't think we'll be able to work well together. Thank you, blah, blah, blah. And that was it. It just, I mean, I, I stopped the whole thing. I sent him a bill for everything we had and I'm done. Here's the print. Here's everything. You move on. They annihilated. Well, they attempted to annihilate me on like a Facebook or house. And that was the most perfect, as, as pissed off as I was, I had to take a couple deep breaths. So I never really had any bad reviews. And all I only reason why I got the bad review is because I fired the client. Like they were like, I would have taken that client on. But there was something about that wife that I knew that it just wasn't I wasn't going to work. So I responded. It was a beautiful response. And I, every point that they had, I explained to them. And there was even one spot. Well, yeah, he, he was 15%. I said, wow. I said, I cut you a deal because we were over budget because we're normally 24%. And I cut you a deal. And I'm like, you know, and he just explained everything. I said, we are pretty much one of the highest price. So, yeah, you're going to pay us, pay more money for us than you pay for anybody else. This is what we do. So it was just a lot of things I was able to do. And then I said, let me call. So I picked up the phone and I called her. She ignored. I called him. He ignored. I waited about an hour and I called him again and he picked up 
And him and I started having a conversation. She's in the background yelling and screaming. It was everything that I, it was everything that I knew that I was about to deal with. She just showed her hand. I knew she was going to be nasty. I knew she was going to have an evil soul. And she's yelling and screaming in the background. And I'm explaining to her, I'm like, this doesn't, we don't need to do this. I said, you've, you've painted a picture of me to be this enemy of who you think I am. I said, it's not even the nature of who I am. I said, I help more people than I hurt. I said, I'm not into hurting people. So if you guys are hurt in any way, I said, let me know. I said, and what you need to make, I said, I don't need to make anything right. Cause what I did, I did right. I said, but if you need me to, I will go further and I will create all the blueprints for you guys for free. Okay. So you can give this to another contractor. Well, we don't want nothing from you, nothing from you. I'm like, whoa, okay, well, you mean, and so the husband, he's catching on like, man, this guy's really a good dude. You can you can sort of feel it. This guy's really a good dude. And so the husband said, hey, Dwayne, said, we're going to do it like this. He said, I apologize for the bad review. He said, I'll delete it. I said, no, keep it. I said, if you feel like you want to keep it up there, keep it. It's your honest, it's your honesty. And I said, I, I, re, I replied. So he actually went through and deleted the post, okay? She went back five minutes later and recreated a post and then went to the house and created a post. And it was what, what I got from it was I was so proud of myself is that no matter how much of that bad review, I mean, if it hurts, great. But like I said, it has a great response. And if people want to follow that, I don't want that client anyway. OK, if if that's who you want to identify yourself as, I don't even want you to be my client. I mean, period. But what it did was I felt really good. Because I read her, I like it just. But that's experience. It's like we've been in this for twenty years, twenty plus years. I've been through. I've even been through the road of racism where it didn't even reason. Like, have you ever been in a situation where you're being accused, but it doesn't even reason? Have you ever? Do you under? Do you even know what that feels like? I honestly don't know. I can't say yeah. that as a, as a white vanilla American that I would, you know, ever really know what that feels like. But yeah, maybe yeah. through this whole mass thing, some of that, but not, yeah. not quite to, to that level. Yeah, I've been in situations where they don't reason. And, and I'm being real, like somebody's I hope nobody takes me to jail for what I'm about to say is it hurts so bad that you want to kill. Like, you know, I've been th- to that much pain. You with a knife shoved into me that there was times that I actually left clients' houses and I would cry in my car because there was to the point where there was no reason. They didn't even want a reason. They just wanted to just, you know, inflict harm on me. So when somebody does this, my radar jumps up and I don't think it was race. It hurt this lady who I was dealing with. I don't think it was racism. She's just a mean, she, I feel bad for her. Like, I wish I could go to her house and knock on the door and give her a hug and ask her, how can I help clear her past? Because I know from the way she was talking and yelling and screaming and what he was dealing with as a husband, I know she has some demons in her past that's hurting her. And it's ruining the forward motion of the day. And I know for sure her husband would hire us in a heartbeat. And I know he's probably sitting back like, babe. And you can hear him in the background like, you're not getting anywhere. Stop. He was trying to stop her, but she just would not stop. And it's like, I caught that. Like, I was so proud. Like, wow, you caught one. And you saved yourself and your staff from this agony. I mean, I'll take the negative review over what this lady was about to do to us. And the cool part about that whole story is that when you go to that negative review, like that's the biggest fear. Well, other people, what are they going to think about us if they see a negative review? And you respond like you did from the heart and you and you explain what's going on in that thing. And anybody that reads that review and can't see nothing but love coming from you and trying to solve the problem, 
it's they're blind. You don't want them anyway. So bad reviews are actually fantastic. Think about it. When you go to Amazon, you're going to buy something. If there's a thousand five star reviews, do you look at all five five or one thousand five star reviews, or do you go for the one or two that are like ones and twos and threes? You always go to the negative ones. I do. I like to do, that, especially in the service industry, just for fun. I like to see how they respond. Because that's really the true nature of what's inside of this business. What's the culture like inside of this business? Who am I getting in bed with when I sign a contract with these guys, right? That's really what I want to look at. It's not about all the glowing reviews because they can pay their damn family to do that. They can give discounts on projects to get uh, those reviews. But when the negative one comes in, how do they respond? And that tells me what kind of people they are. And that's for me, that's how I like to buy. And that's how your clients like to buy too. They're all human. So if you get a bad review, what you do is you go in there with your heart and you empathize with the people and you explain your position and you work it out so that the overall candor of that response is of of help and nurture, not you're an asshole, F you, screw you kind of thing, right? Because I've gotten bad reviews throughout my career as well, like it or not. And you know what? You learn the most from those reviews because a lot of times, Dwayne, I've found that some of those reviews or some of those emails after a project's done, when I ask them, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, what can we improve on? I ask every client that. And sometimes they, the responses aren't what I want, right? They aren't our glowing five-star reviews. So I'm like, okay, great. They're trying to teach me something right now. I have a choice. Either I'm here to learn or I'm here to protect my own ego, right? And the ego is going to kill you if you let it go long enough. So what, what can I learn from this? And they always have things to teach us. And some of our biggest changes in our business came from the responses from people like that. So I actually look at them as being very valuable in our conversation. Now, are they always right in a way that, or did they present it well, or these kinds of things? It's not always about the, the way it's presented. It's the content that is presented. And then can we grow from that so other clients never have to experience things like that? I mean, it happens. And sometimes it's just an, an anomaly. You get these strange people that have weird expectations that were never, ever said, but in their mind, they're there or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, the goal here is to protect the dignity and the ego of your client, you know, throughout whether you agree with them or not, it doesn't really matter. It's not about slandering them and making them look bad. It's, it's the first thing we want to do, right? Punch them in the throat. It's what we want to do. But the better way to do it is to, as you had mentioned, is to get more into responding to them, regardless if it's a public forum or an email or whatever, it, empathize first, you know, be like, hey, sorry, you're in this position. That's all they really, they, they want to be heard. They want to, they want to know that they're hurting. They want you to know that. And when you ignore it and say nothing to it, you don't acknowledge it. You don't empathize with it. They're like, this guy just doesn't fucking get it. He just doesn't get it. So now I need to get even cranked up further in order to get that person to really understand that I'm mad. But when you say, I totally get how, how this could seem really bad and how you could be upset about this, I totally get it. I'd probably be mad about this too. So here's what actually happened. Let me walk through it step by step. And here's what we're going to do to fix the problem. Or if it's, you can't fix it, it's something that's just broken. Um, you take the next best steps and treat people the way you want to be treated, right? If you were in their position, what would you want somebody to tell you? And work it out yeah. that way. If you live your life that way, you won't have all of this, you know, the stress and the anxiety of, of others constantly trying to bash you or trying to knock things down or knock you down online, whatever it might be, right? Because again, all this really starts back in the beginning. When you start talking this conversation with a client and start having this communication with them and start to, to feel them out, if you just like you did, your spuddy senses kicked up when you started hearing some of her responses and you're like, look, I need to get the hell out of here Why I still can because it's only going to get worse. And if you would have taken that job on, I'm sure you'd be pulling your hair out at this point, trying to fire them mid-construction, which is even nastier and uglier, right? So if you can get them out earlier, that's better. I mean, we've sent 
deposits back for designs and fees. We've done that when somebody gets irate after something. It's like, again, the very early part of your sales process is the dating period. And if, if they suck as a date, they're going to suck as a husband or wife, big time, like nine times worse. So the bottom line is if you find that they're starting to, you're starting to smell that, like there's something wrong here. They're just, they're demanding or they're, they just don't, they don't care. They don't care about your time. They just want what they want. All these kinds of things. You have a choice to make and you can, you can jump in and give them the graceful exit, you know, as we like to do during our sales process where we say, guys, look, you know, to be quite honest with you, based on what you told me so far, I honestly think you're going to be better served working directly with a fill in the blank, whether it's a mason or, or a carpenter or a, a landscaper, if you're not any of those, or whatever it might be, or even a, any other specialty, uh, because I honestly don't feel like we're going to be a good fit for each other. And I'd be glad to give you a couple of references that I know people I trust that could do this for you. Or you can go on Hauser or on Google and take a look and find somebody that's going to work. But for, at this point, based on what you've told me, I don't think we're going to be a good fit. And let them go. Believe it or not, you're not. they're not going to get mad. They're not going to scream. Their head's not going to explode. They're not going to write you a bad review. They're going to say thank you for not wasting my time. Because I'm looking on a journey. I'm only looking for this maybe once or twice in my life and somebody that can guide me to the next direction like you just did by saying no nicely. It's called a graceful exit. You gracefully let them go on to the next person and you were completely alleviated of any responsibility to that project or that person. And you can be like, I, I don't, I don't want to do it. You're just not going to work for me. But like I said before, we've sent back, we've gone through our sales process. We've had some clients that just pop up as weirdos, like they're anomalies. It happens. I don't care how good you are. Things will happen. And we've been halfway through a design cycle or even through the end of the design cycle. And we, you know, they've gone crazy. At least in my opinion, they've gone crazy. They've, they've completely 360'd from the very beginning, this whole Jekyll and Hyde type mentality. And, uh, and they just couldn't be happy about anything. So I was like, you know what, guys, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you all your money back. And I sent them their entire check back, everything. I'm like, sorry for any inconvenience that this could have caused you, you know, throughout. I hope you got some good ideas from us and uh, be well in your journey. And off we go. You know, Joshua, Joshua, I'm actually going to do that. I'm going to put a, put a certain dollar amount in one of my Profit First accounts just for that situation. Because it, when I look back, even at that situation with those people, imagine what happens if they get a check on their doorstep, you I mean, for that amount of money that they paid us for the design. You know what I mean? Like, imagine what happens. Because that what it does is people don't realize is they hold on to this power and what happens is it's just really anger. And so even us as a contractor, like, F that. They owe me money. I did work for them. They're going to pay me. But imagine how you feel if you just say, here, take this back. Dude, it feels so empowering. Yeah. Yeah. It, every single cell of your body says, no, I worked for that money. We went through this thing. I did the design work. I spent my time doing this stuff. They owe it to me. You know the crazy part? When you sign that check, let's just say it's 1000 bucks, 3000 whatever. You sign that check back to them and you mail it back. And next thing you know, you'll probably never hear back from them. It doesn't matter. But you know in your mind, in your soul, that everything's good. And if they ever yeah. were to write you a bad review, you'd say, I totally get it didn't work out. We weren't a great fit. I really appreciate the opportunity. And that's why we sent every single penny back. We're really sorry we wasted your time. <laughs> Who the hell is going to, like a new client coming up, going to be like, they're evil. No one's going to say that. Everyone's yeah. going to look at that and say, huh, wow, they did the right thing. Didn't work out. They sent their money back, even though they had a lot of time into this design. So we've only ever had to do that a handful of times, but there's something so powerful. And that's what I tell my team. I'm like, look, if we get to that position where we start smelling somebody doing this, send their money back. Even if they're started in the construction process and we're getting permits and they're being complete idiots, guys, look, where can we send the check back to? This isn't working out. This is not how we work. 
Where would you like the check written out to? And be done with it. I mean, when you do that, you take all of their power and leverage away. They have yeah. nothing over you at this point. Zero. The idea that they paid you and now you must perform is gone. So yeah, you take back ownership happens. of your own pride. It's gigantic, gigantic leap. So anybody out there that's struggling with clients like this, don't be afraid to just say, guys, look, not don't be dickish about it. But guys, like, guys, look, you know, we've been working together now for the last few weeks and it's just not working out here. I, I know we both feel it at this point. And I think our best, you know, way to do this is to, to separate ties. And, you know, in order to do that, what I'm willing to do here is I'll send you all the money you have with me right back. And that's fine. And like, I'm, I'm sorry it couldn't work out, but I really want you to find the right fit for you. And I don't feel like the, I am the right fit for you guys or we are the right fit for you guys. So best of luck. Checks in the mail. I hope everything works out. Thanks, guys, for the opportunity. Yeah. Because I'm gonna make sure that that we're in a cash cap position if something happens like that. Because that's the thing that happens. They feel like they paid you money and they own you, and there's this ownership towards you. And so if you're willing to say, "Here, take this back," it's almost like I mean, like a person being divorced, and you see, man, like I don't want anything, and they walk away from everything—the house, the car, and everything. And what's so amazing about that is that same person gets everything back ten times. You mean like that doesn't really slow them down. They just walk away from it all and start fresh. I mean, that's sort of what happened to Ohio. We walked, we just walked out of Ohio. I mean, we left the house, the business, basically everything, and we moved to Chicago, and now we have it back 10 times, you mean more. You know what I mean? It's just sort of, it's just sort of how it works. Like, yeah, you're not going to let me operate in this city, and you're going to keep playing these games, and you're going to, you know what I mean, you're going to keep treating me like I'm some trash. I'll just, I'll pack up and, and go somewhere where I'm wanted, and I'll just walk away from everything. and just, here, have it all, left it all. And, you know, and it's so wild, too, is, is that they'll realize if you're bad, if you're doing bad, we're doing bad. Just because you and I are talking doesn't make us perfect. I mean, we all make mistakes. Okay, but we we also operate on a terms of life of good intentions. So I'm not, that's something Isabel and I actually had a conversation yesterday over dinner, is that she said the great thing, that's why I said when you hit me with this topic today, I'm like, dude, you, you were listening. She said the one thing that your clients, sometimes your clients don't understand about you is you actually treat them like you care and sometimes there's this mentality that they want more or they're trying to get over or whatever but they're not realizing that they're working with somebody who actually really cares and so when they're done or you have to walk away or they're working with somebody else is when they realize like oh shit Dwayne actually really cared you know what I mean? Like he actually really gave a shit about what was going on. And we thought, we thought this in our, we thought these negative thoughts in our head and now we're stuck with this garbage. You mean? And, and, and that sort of happens. So you free yourself from that. It's, it's pretty dope. Yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And you know, when, when you think a client, especially if they're that, that uh, 1% client, the one that is constantly a pain in your ass, and you just want them out of your life, you know, and they keep demanding and demanding and demanding more stuff. And, you know, they, they feel like they bought your attention. And if you don't speak to them or jump when they say jump or do a backflip when they say backflip, that you, you know, just they're going to take their business elsewhere. So when you when you give them their check back and they lose the power over that, dude, it's fucking brilliant. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a feeling that you're like, thank goodness it's done. Yeah, is a couple of grand going to hurt? Sure. But, oh, well. I'm like, at least I have my dignity. They have their dignity. 
And I can sleep well at night knowing that even though maybe there's some time in my life that was missing, I learned something and I know next time when I feel a client, I feel that same energy coming on again, we're going to, we're going to pass. <laughs> we're going to yeah. pass on that one. But that's the only way you Actually, do it is by constantly doing it. I had a pretty tough run this spring. Um, it was something that was going down that I did not know it was going down. It was a client that we did a job for like two years ago. And a beautiful job. I mean, everything was about it was amazing. But it was a brand new contractor we were using for the deck. And the guy was good. But I think, remember I was telling you, if I catch somebody who's, who's in fight or flight, I don't want to do business with them. Like, it's not a bad thing. Or I'll sit down and, call, and coach them and talk to them and get them in a better state. Well, he was just in a fight or flight. He thought everything was against him. He was always chasing money, just in a bad mind state. So obviously he didn't treat the client so well. And so I had to always jump in. It was always a babysit issue. And beautiful job. So I didn't think anything was wrong. Talked to a client. He was happy with us. I loved everything. But the client was on my reference list. And he told, he was on the reference list. And from what we're thinking, he told at least three people that, they, he does great design work, do great work, but he doesn't manage his crews that well. Okay, so he told three people, and we think, from, from what we're getting. And three clients that we're working with after that, we obviously fired that guy, Johnny on the spot, but they were just riding me. Like, like they were riding me to the point where I was almost starting to scream the racism horn. Like, this is insane. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is, it's like, it's, it's a horrible situation. Like, you're treating me like garbage and I'm taking care of you. And so it was actually one of the clients who was writing me so bad, I actually snapped and slipped and called him a dick. Like, you know what I mean? I never really say anything bad to any clients. I'm always really nice. But he just, it was just those texts in the middle of the night on Saturday, on Sunday, and I finally lost it and called him a dick. So obviously him and I have it out. We get done and then we have this sort of, you mean friendship meeting to, to sort of bring it back to life. Like, hey, I apologize to you. He apologized to me. Hey, I was acting crazy. He said, but you know, it was just that your one client had said that you don't really write, you don't really manage your contractors that well. So I was just afraid and I was doing that. And so now it, then it like it all, the light bulb pops in my head that now these three other clients, that's why they were acting like that. You know what I mean? It was from that bad thing that was said. And it was so mind-boggling because this one client that even said that, we're still taking care of him. You're like, we're still doing like gesture, nice gesture stuff. Like Cruz went over there just the other day and mulched his flower beds in the back and, and removed some pumps and took some pumps out really for nothing. You know what I mean? It's like, and you said this about us, but he didn't realize that one little thing that was said had almost gave me hell on three other jobs that didn't even need to be. It was just crazy how something like that happens. And I didn't see it coming. Didn't yeah. see it. Yep. Yeah, you just don't know where, where that goes. But, you know, it, it's it, in, in life, it's, it's the old golden rule, right? Treat it, golden rule type thing where you treat people the way you want to be treated. It's very, very simple. You know, if you don't, you'll just you know reap the benefits of, of a, a more crappy life because others are going to treat you just as bad but you know again if you set the expectations in the beginning of what's coming next you have a process that you can deliver each and every time you know how to gracefully exit scenarios and strategies you know have strategies for that and be able to get out of things and not feel like you're a minute too far now i can't get out like what would they say what could i do i'm going to lose money yada, yada, yada. i'm just going to grin and bear through it you know once you have those tools and understand how to do it and practice it a bunch in a safe zone then when it comes time for that, you can just unleash the dogs, right? You can just let them go and you everyone feels better at the end of it. You build the confidence knowing exactly how to do that. 
And again, that's some of the stuff that we teach here at S-Express. But uh, even if you don't work with us, you know, learn how to do that. Build those skills, build those muscle, because that's going to give you such an amazing and and feeling when you can stand up for yourself and you can say, you know what? It's all right. Not going to happen. I'm not going to miss my kid's soccer game because I got to go out and meet this client because that's the only time he can meet. Or that's, I have to do this project by this time. I love those clients that say, look, you've got, you have to have it done by Labor Day. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I can do that because the money's good, whatever. And next thing you know, you're pulling your hair out and you don't know why in hell it's going to happen. But, and eventually you set the expectation and then you don't deliver. And then you wonder why they're pissed off and screaming at you. And then you can blame everything possible under the sun, but you still gave them your word. They trusted you and you didn't, you didn't do it. So just stick to your word. Always live by your word. Expectations are everything. So always set those, you know, if, if you think you can make that Labor Day by Labor Day work, that's good. Tell them a month later. Say, guys, look, Labor Day's not going to work, but I can give you by the month later. And they'd be like, all right, what's well, the best I can do? And then if you nail it by Labor Day, everybody's happy. If not, then you've got some room, right? Setting those expectations. That's how you get great reviews. It starts from day one. So, Dwayne, while we wrap up here, do you have any other thoughts to bestow on our, our listeners about this topic? Dude, this topic is can go on forever. I think we just have to stop just to stop. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. I, I, think, I think we need to make it a part two because I, I, I don't want to make it a bid session. I want I sort of want it to be more of an educational, you mean, tool that we all, even you and myself, which I consider the some of the elites in the industry, we still deal with it. You know what I mean? And but we do know by the grace and and then understanding self worth that we don't have to take on the bad, nasty, mean people. Like your business will still grow, it will still prosper. If you sense you're about to deal with some bad clients or some people who are not right, it's just so much better just to walk away and just like Josh says, give it back. Yep. Give it back and it, you you basically not basically, you absolutely you uh, diffuse the bomb at that point. That's the cool part about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, one last thought going into this. If you, you know, get into a situation like that, don't be afraid to do that, to just send the money back. It's, it's that simple. And when you do that, that's going to really open up, uh, you know, a whole nother level of understanding and a whole better scenario that you're setting up for your own business. You'll get a reputation for that. And if people were like, well, did you like work with him? Yeah, but we didn't end up coming up with a great idea, but we didn't see eye to eye, but he sent all my money back. And you're like, oh, okay, it's not bad. Versus he took it all. And uh, he didn't perform the way he's supposed to. And now all of a sudden, I feel like I was somehow spited or, or I lost money or something to that effect. So it's important to know that, you know, you have that power. It might seem counterintuitive to what you're taught. But man, does it feel good when you can just say, guys, look, sorry, didn't work out. Here's your money back. Adios.